Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is episode 40 of Rams Up. No game on Sunday, but we still have a lot of good stuff this episode. We're going to take a quick look back at that Seattle game. We're going to touch on the Dodgers and the Giants real briefly. We'll do our loop around the league. We also have some in-season Rams awards we're going to give out. We also have our fearsome four questions. And just a reminder, our Thursday drop, we'll have a preview of the Ram-Giant game. Giants are going to be really banged up when the Rams show up. They took a lot of hits, including injuries to Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So we'll have a preview of that game Thursday. And also on that Thursday morning drop, we're going to share with you something we've been working on. We have created the Mount Rushmore of Ram haters. So check that out. Should be a lot of fun. Let's get that look back at the Seattle game out of the way. Some general notes. Start out with an injury update. We seem to have dodged the bullets for the most part. Tyler Higby, Matthew Stafford, and Leonard Floyd all appear to be okay. Darius Williams, another story. He has a mild ankle sprain. My guess is he will miss the Giants game. It's possible he could be back for that, but I think the most he would miss is one game. We'll have an update on Thursday. The Rams are the fourth team in the history of the NFL to rack up four wins over playoff teams from the previous season in the first five games. Those four playoff teams, the Bears, Colts, Bucks, and Seahawks. And they have a loss against a team that barely missed the playoffs. The other teams that have accomplished this, the 1982 Washington football team, they weren't called that back then the 1983 Niners, and the 2002 Saints. On that Seahawks game against the Seahawks, the Rams had drives of 96, 82, and 73 yards. They have 16 drives a season, averaging 78.4 yards. Their shortest drive is 70 yards. We're talking about scoring drives here. 28 points per game without a single short field or defensive TD. So if we start getting takeaways early in the game rather than on the opponent's last drive, we start getting some really good field position. This team's going to start putting a lot of points on the board. That's what this data is telling me. Hey, did you guys notice the Seattle fans booing? This 12th man, everybody celebrates booing their own team. There was one play, third and 22, in their own territory, and they ran the ball. Standard operating procedure for most teams. I mean, what do you want them to do? And the 12th man there booed the heck out of their own team. I was kind of disappointed in the Seattle faithful at that point. Hey, they're not my team's fans. They can do whatever they want. And I've also been wondering, is Russell Wilson done with the Seahawks? They're saying now he could be back in four weeks. He could return after that bye which is right around the NFL trading deadline. So he could be good to go after Seattle's bye. But what if Seattle loses 
two of those three games? What if they lose to the Steelers and the Saints? Would the Seahawks consider moving on from him? I guess it might depend on what happens with some of the other quarterbacks among the contenders. Someone goes down. I mean, we all know that Russell Wilson was not entirely happy with Seattle leadership during the offseason. I don't care what he says and what they say. I think he'd happily move on to another contender. And maybe it's time for Seattle to make a move like that because their roster is really depleted. Some pro football focus grades from Seattle. No surprise, Robert Woods leads the way with an 87, followed by Cooper Cup, 78.6, and Deshaun Jackson, 77.8. So our wide receivers kick some butt in Seattle. I think we already knew that. On the defensive side, our defensive line crushed it. Aaron Donald, 79.5, Sebastian Joseph Day, 71.6, and Greg Gaines, 67.6. So all three of those played very well. Snap counts. Snap counts up for Robert Rochelle, Greg Gaines, and Troy Reader. And directly related to the snap counts being down for David Long, Ashawn Robinson, and Kenny Young. You can draw a direct line between the three players whose snap counts are up and the three whose snap counts are down. And that's a reflection of growing confidence in Robert Rochelle and Troy Reader. And Greg Gaines, I think, is just playing really well. Got to talk about the Dodgers after beating the Cardinals in that wild card playing game, I like to call it. They go up to play San Francisco, lose 2 to nothing in the opener. Buster Posey, two-run homer in the first. Does this guy hit a home run in every important game against the Dodgers? Sure does seem like it. Then Saturday night, the Dodger offense explodes. A 9-2 win. Cody Bellinger finally contributes. And how does he contribute? By going the other way. Hits a double in the gap. Drives in two runs. A.J. Pollock, two for three. Two runs, two RBIs. The most consistent Dodger hitter all season long. Julio Arias gets the win. The only pitcher that has been announced for the Monday-Tuesday games in L.A., Max Scherzer, for the Dodgers on Monday night. By the time you hear this, maybe there has been some news on who's starting for the Giants on Monday night and who the starters would be for Tuesday night. At this time, I don't know. And since we're on the subject of baseball, I got to talk to you about a baseball pet peeve I have here. We saw it in this Saturday night game between the Dodgers and Giants. Like many of you, I grew up playing a lot of baseball in Southern California, and by doing so, I have an understanding of how situations in baseball dictate how you play, how you play in the field, and how you run the bases especially, and that's what makes baseball great. Discussing these situations, talking about how your team should be playing or how they're going to play, it's just great stuff. Give you a couple quick examples. If you're up by running the ninth inning, your first and third baseman guard the lines. Try to take away the extra base hit. We all know that, right? Another one. If you're up by two runs with two outs at the ninth and they have a runner on second on a base hit, you just want to keep that hitter at first. Don't let them go to second. If their run scores, they can have it. Don't care. We all know that too, right? And lastly, if you're down by four or five runs, let's say in the sixth inning, with two outs, you don't want to get thrown out at third for the final out of the inning. 
In fact, you shouldn't even be trying to go to third unless you can get there standing up. We all know that too, right? So what happened in the Dodger-Giant game? Dodgers were up 6-1. to one. Brandon Crawford at bat with runners on first and third with two outs. Giants up by five in the sixth, right? Wilmer Flores is on first. Lamont Wade is on third. Crawford hits a looping single to right. Wade scores easily to make it 6-2. to two, And Wilmer Flores tries to go to third on one of the best outfielders in the league, Mookie Betts. And you guessed it, he gets gunned down quite easily, inning over. So, the Giants could have had runners on first and second with two out, down four. Flores was trying to make it runners on first and third with two out. Don't really see the big advantage there, that's the point. You still need a hit to get the run in. So just stay at second, hunker down, hope your next guy gets a hit. Keep the inning alive, keep the hopes alive for a big inning. We've been seeing more and more of this over the last few years. I remember when Matt Kemp was with the Dodgers, he was constantly doing this, trying to stretch plays, trying to go to third with two outs. He usually made it. But you know what? This is my pet peeve. It's not this bad base running, this bad baseball. Well, that's part of it. My bigger problem is the announcers. In this game, Brian Anderson and Ron Darling spent a lot of time admiring the play of Mookie Betts, but did not say a thing about the bad baseball by the base runner. Not a word. And this could be a learning moment for a lot of young baseball players. Actually, if I think about it, most little leaguers already know this. They'd probably be wondering the same thing as me. Why aren't the announcers saying something? That's my pet peeve. My double pet peeve. We had a double punt this week. We got a double pet peeve. Major League Baseball players getting thrown out at third for the last out of an inning. And even worse, the announcers have nothing to say about it. We'll be back in a minute with our Rams Awards show and our Fearsome Four questions. So, Ram fans, we are at the quarter pole. Oh, well, sort of. We're at the 517th pole of the season. Didn't have anything Ram-wise to report on Sunday. I thought this would be a good opportunity to hand out some early season awards from a Rams perspective. We're also going to have our fearsome four questions looking forward through the rest of the season. So award number one, who's our offensive MVP? I'm going to say Cooper Cup. 37 catches, 523 yards, and 5 TDs. He's now at, for his career, over 4,000 yards. 11th all-time Ram receiver. He's actually about 300 yards behind Robert Woods, Bobby Trees, who's number 10 all-time on the Rams receiving list. And the list of guys ahead of them, it's pretty impressive. They're both nipping at the heels of Jim Benton. He's the guy who caught 10 Bob Waterfield passes for 303 yards on Thanksgiving Day in 1947. Sometime next year, they should pass Tom Fears and Flipper Anderson, putting them 6th and 7th all-time behind the Big Five 
Bruce, Holt, Ellard, Hirsch, and Snow. But back to Cooper Cup. I'm not sure where we would be without him at this point in the season. He has stepped up. He had like one drop I can think of, but he's made some incredible catches. He's really been doing it all. Classic route runner, great separation, yards after the catch, very tough, great blocker. Cooper Cup, at this point, our offensive MVP. Our defensive MVP, you know, I cannot pick Jalen Ramsey over Aaron Donald, even though I was tempted to. I'm going to make these two guys co-MVP because they really work in sync. Donald, tormenting quarterbacks and running backs. Ramsey, disrupting pass plays. Hard tackler. So energetic. Complete player. A great athlete between these two guys. Man, we're so lucky to have them both. I'm going to call them my co-MVPs. At this point, can't pick one over the other. Team MVP, I'm going with Matthew Stafford. Now, he's been off the last couple games, but I still think we are very fortunate to have him. As most of you know, I actually am a big fan of Jared Goff, feel bad for the guy. But I'll tell you, it's a different feeling being down against a team and having Matthew Stafford back there. It's a different feeling in the red zone with Matthew Stafford back there. It's a different feeling being on your own four-yard line with Matthew Stafford back there. He's my team MVP. Rookie of the year, Slim Pickens, really. I'm not sure what to say about our draft haul yet. Feeling a little bit better about Tutu Atwell. Chris Garrett, some of the other guys haven't really shown their face. I'm going to have to go with Robert Rochelle. Don't feel real strongly about that, but if I had to pick someone, it's got to be Rochelle, right? Robert Rochelle, our rookie of the year so far, but long way to go. I still think he has a lot to prove, but that's who I'm rolling with for now. Most disappointing, I'm going to have to say David Long. I really expected him to step right in and be that third cornerback, and he's really struggled. Not giving up on him. But can't think of anyone I'm more disappointed in at this point. Hope he gets it together. Hope he has a long career with the Rams, and I think he will. But can't hide the fact, a little disappointed right now. Most surprising, I got two guys, Brian Allen and Terrell Lewis. Now, Brian Allen, we saw some foreshadowing of that. We knew McVeigh was happy with his performances in training camp and in the preseason. He won the job. And hey, maybe we're on to something. We have our center for the future. And I think he's played okay. He struggled on a couple of plays I saw, especially against Seattle. But for the most part, he's graded out well. So I think we all saw it coming. But if we look back to how we felt about Brian Allen back in May, we've got to be surprised with how well he's playing. And on the defensive side, Terrell Lewis, this is a guy that was held out of practices Over and over and over again, we heard that his knee was acting up. I thought he might get cut. And now he is contributing every game in some fashion. He's got 11 tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble after five games. And he really showed up against Seattle. So this guy, 
who fell in the draft because of his knee, didn't contribute much at first because of these knee issues. I don't have any updates on his knee, but apparently it's not acting up anymore based on what we're seeing on the field. Most underappreciated. I got three guys here. Now, one of them has been underappreciated for quite a while, Sebastian Joseph Day. But I'm adding two more guys to this list, both on the defense, Greg Gaines and Troy Reader. Greg Gaines, if you watch him in Seattle, he really plugs the middle of that field. He got some extra snaps in this most recent game. Gaines is no superstar, but he's a solid guy in that defensive line rotation. And third is Troy Reader. Right now, probably our best linebacker, in my opinion. Snap count's going up. Solid guy against the run, doing well in coverage. Two interceptions on the year. Starting to like this guy a lot. If you ask me who our pro bowlers are right now, well, there's three guys for sure. If they were to name the pro bowlers right now, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and Cooper Cup would all be on that team. And we have a couple of maybes. Matthew Stafford, I think he probably deserves it. But the problem with the NFC is Kyler Murray probably deserves it. Up until last Thursday, Russell Wilson probably deserved it. So we'll probably cross him off the Pro Bowl list this year. But then you still have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Is Matthew Stafford going to be ahead of either of those or Kyler Murray? I'm not sure. We'll have to see. And Andrew Whitworth. I kind of doubt it. I think his play has slipped a little bit. I think there are too many good left tackles in the game right now. But he could get the nod. It's his last season. Maybe there will be some sentimental votes for him. Andrew Whitworth might get in. But that's about it. I don't think any other Rams at this point will garnish Pro Bowl votes of significance. How about four fearsome questions for the rest of the season? Fearsome question one, what will be the Rams' final record? They're at four and one right now. I think it's going to be 13 and four or 12 and five. I'm leaning towards 13 and four. In my opinion, it really depends on what happens over these next four games. These are four games that they should win. Titans could be a tough one, but I still think they should go 4-0 to get to 7-1. and but if they let one of those games get away from them and end up 6-2, and two, I think they're more likely going to end up 12-5. and five. Because after those four, they have some tough games. They got two games with the Niners, the Seahawks, who may not be as tough as we think right now, but Wilson could be back for that game. They have another game with the Cardinals in Arizona. They have the Packers and the Ravens. And then two other games, the Vikings and Jags, two games they should be heavily favored in, but the Vikings will be no pushover. So I'm going to go with 13-4. and four. Remember before the season started, I said the floor for this team was 11 wins. Still feel that way, but I'm going to go with 13-4. and four. Fearsome question two, what team in the NFC worries you the most in the playoffs? Now my gut feeling was going to say Arizona especially after how poorly we played against them and how good they looked against us a couple of weeks ago. But I still have a very good feeling about going up against a divisional rival in the playoffs. 
I don't really mind that we lost to them. Hopefully we'll get them next time. But if we see them in the playoffs, I'll like our chances. The team that worries me the most is Tampa Bay. And even though this is a team that we match up pretty well with and we've beaten the last two times we've played in the regular season, I don't know if I want to see Tom Brady in the playoffs. Sorry, just don't want to see that. That's the team that would concern me the most. For some question three, what rookie would you like to see get used more moving forward? Well, I'm going to have to go with Tutu. I mean, he's on the field for the punt returns, but that's about it. And I know our wide receiver room is pretty packed. Van Jefferson is contributing now, as is Deshaun Jackson. And we got Woods and Cup, of course. But you notice how Shane Waldron, the Seattle offensive coordinator, used Penny Hart against the Rams. He's 5'8", 180. They used him on a jet sweep, and he busted a pretty good run against us. I thought that's how we would be using Tutu at some point. I thought we'd get him on the field for some jet sweeps. Why not? Maybe we'll see that against some of these weaker opponents. Be great if we could get a 28 to nothing lead for once and run a couple of those guys out there. Let Tutu run a jet sweep. Here's some question four. How would you rate each of our unit at this point? Offensive line, I'm given an A. They've been doing a great job protecting Stafford. Holes are starting to open in the running game. I was leaning towards an A- minus at first. But seriously, are we disappointed in any way about this offensive line? I'm not. I think they've been great. They're not going to win every block, every play, every game. Can't expect that, but they're winning most of the battles. Quarterback, I'm going to give Matthew Stafford a B plus. He's been inaccurate at times and has underthrown some balls, but that's offset by the fact that he's taken this team on some long drives and clutch situations. I'd like to see him bump that up to an A, but for right now, it's a B plus. Running backs, I'm going to give a B, a solid B. Maybe selling them short a little bit. Ding them for that fumble by Sony Michelle. Henderson's been banged up a little bit, but they've been very productive. Good blocking, moving the chains, especially Daryl Henderson last week. A B for our running backs. Wide receivers, A+. What can I say about these guys? We got four really good receivers. And Cooper Cup, probably a pro bowler. And Robert Woods can go off any time. And Deshaun Jackson, a vertical threat even at his advanced age. And Van Jefferson, suddenly looking like a complete NFL wide receiver. A-plus for the wide receivers. Tight ends, B-plus. Higby and Munt have both been great blockers. Minimal production in the passing game. Higby's had some big catches, though. I'm not disappointed in our production out of the tight end position, especially when you consider how much production we're getting from our wide receivers. Higby had the touchdown catch against Seattle. He had a touchdown on that screenplay as well a few weeks ago. Solid B+. Defensive line, I am going to give them an A. I wanted to give them an A+, but, you know, we've been gashed a little bit up front, so I can't justify an A+. A sounds about right for them. You would hope a line with Aaron Donald on it would be an automatic A+, but I haven't really seen it. Not yet. 
I still think they're figuring out some things with Raheem Morris, but can't cry about an A. Linebackers B minus. I've seen them out of position a few times. I've seen them miss tackles. I've seen them take bad angles. So B minus for the linebackers. And that includes the edge rushers. Lewis and Floyd have both had their moments. Hollins was playing well before he got knocked out. But overall, I can only give them a B minus. The secondary, uh, also a B minus. We've got burned a few times. Seen a lot of wide open receivers. I don't think this unit is playing as well as I expected they would. I wish I had more game film from a bird's eye view on Rapp and Fuller. I'm not sure how well they're playing. I know their pro football focus grades have not been great, but you can't be too hard on the secondary because Ramsey and Darius Williams have played well, so I can't give them lower than a B- minus as a unit. Special teams, I'm going to give them a C+, and that's being generous. Every game there seems to be something. Poor coverage on a kickoff. Missed field goals. Kicks out of bounds. Return game has been okay. Nothing spectacular, though. I think 2-2 could very well bump this grade up to a B all by himself. I think it might happen. I'm sensing it's going to happen, but right now, special teams, a C plus. Maybe I should bump it up a little bit for that blocked punt, but, well, we know how that turned out. That's my grades, and that's the last of my fearsome four questions for this week. Okay, Ram fans, another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, by the way, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for giant cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years old, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. loop around the league. We'll start with the early games. Hey, how about we start with the Thursday night game? Rams beat the Seahawks 26-17. And doesn't that make for a, a wonderful, relaxing Sunday of football watching your win in the bag already? A stress-free Sunday. Gotta love it. First game of the day on Sunday, Falcons 27, Jets 20. 
Coming out party for Kyle Pitts, 119 yards and a TD. Falcons led 20-3, and then they did what the Falcons do best. They let the Jets back into the game, but they held on. Matt Ryan makes some clutch throws late, allows the Falcons to run some time off, add a touchdown, seal the game. Patriots 25, Texans 22. Not quite sure what to make of either of these teams right now. Texans led most of the game. Pats scored the last 10 points to salvage the road win. Texans rookie quarterback Davis Mills finished with 313 yards on 21 for 29 passing and 3 TDs. So good game for the rookie out of Stanford. Titans 37, Jags 19. Urban Meyer now 0 for 8, preseason and regular season combined. He may have lost this team, players, and ownership after what happened in Ohio. If you have not seen the video and the controversy, do some Googling, read up on it. I won't spend any time here on it, but not a good look for the head coach of an NFL team. Derrick Henry finished with 130 yards and three TDs. Bucks 45, Dolphins 17. One of my sleeper teams, the Dolphins, are letting me down. They fall to 1 and 4. The Bucks improve to 4 and 1. That one loss, courtesy of our Los Angeles Rams, Brady, 411 yards and five TDs. So, so Brady was cooking. Saints 33, Washington football team 22, Winston throws for four TDs. Vikings 19, Lions 17. The Lions are our new snake-bitten team. They are the new Chargers. Losing games like the Chargers used to. Detroit drives for the tying TD. Jared Goff converts the two-point conversion to put them up. 17-16, only 37 seconds left. Reminiscent of the Ravens game, right? Deja vu. 37 seconds left. Plenty of time for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings to move the ball down to the Lions' 37-yard line. And you guessed it. 54-yard field goal wins it for the Vikings. Man, being a Lions fan must be really tough right now. Eagles 21, Panthers 18. The Eagles were down 18-13. to In the fourth quarter, they blocked a late punt, capitalized for the win. Jalen Hurts running the ball in for the late TD. Packers 25, Bengals 22 in overtime. The Bengals forced overtime with a late TD and a two-point conversion. The Packers late in the overtime period to win the game, 25-22. Steelers 27, Broncos 19. Broncos start at 3-0. They're now 3-2. Steelers really led all the way, although the Broncos closed to within 24-19 before a late field goal by the Steelers. But the Broncos did drive all the way to the Steelers' three-yard line, trying to tie this game up. And then on fourth and three, Bridgewater was intercepted in the end zone. One word on that, much better to be intercepted in the end zone than to take a sack. At least he gave his team a chance. Afternoon games, Bears 20, Raiders 9. It was all about the Bear D dominating what was a high-flying offense just a couple of weeks ago. Bears fans must be thrilled. The old Bear D showing up against the Raiders. And maybe the Bears are going to be in this playoff conversation after all. I was already starting to count them out. Justin Fields got the start and threw his first TD pass. 
In the game of the day, Chargers 47, Browns 42. They're loving Brandon Staley over there. Both teams just throwing knockdown punches. Just watch the other team get off the floor and throw one of their own. Went down to the end. What a fun game. Chargers kept on answering and pull off the big win. Cardinals 17, Niners 10. Like I said last week, the Rams have the Seahawks number. The Cards have the Niners number. It was supposed to be a show between the Cards offense and the Niners D, but it was actually the Cards defense that stole the show. The Niners might have been able to pull it out, but the Cards D, the Niners were one of five on fourth down tries, and that was really the difference in a close game. Trey Lance got the start. Jerry is still out, but I can't believe Niner fans are in his corner this morning as much as they were a week ago. Made some plays with his legs, but was highly inaccurate. I don't know. Right now, I might be thinking maybe they should have taken Mac Jones. Cowboys 44, Giants 20. Giants players dropping like flies all over the place. As of this morning, the Giants are without Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and the young left tackle, Andrew Thomas. And the Rams are coming to town next week. This was my bet of the week, the Cowboys to cover, so I won that. Cowboys are now 4-1, and one. Giants 1-4, one and, and in deep trouble. In the Sunday night game, the Bills 38, Kansas City 20. I don't know if the refs were on a mission in this game to break the record for flags thrown. There were a lot, a lot of them very questionable. Still a highly entertaining game. Kansas City defense getting picked apart, torn apart by the Bills. Bills were very impressive on both sides of the ball. I've had them as my number one team for a couple weeks, and they will stay there for sure. They were my Super Bowl pick as well. Maybe the Rams will see them at SoFi in February. And the Monday night game, Colts and Ravens yet to be played, of course. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, on our Thursday morning drop, we will have a preview of the Ram-Giant game. We will unveil our Mount Rushmore of Ram-Haters. We will also have our Week 6 Rams-Up straight-up NFL picks and a few other good things to share with you. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. It is greatly appreciated. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and... The YouTube Royalty Free Music Audio Library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama. Hama.